Welcome to POMCAST. This episode is sponsored by Woolen, a boutique yarn festival in Dublin, Ireland. Come to this unique event in Dublin and celebrate yarn in all its glory from Friday 25th of May to Sunday 27th of May in the Sports and Social Complex ALSAA, conveniently located next to Dublin Airport. This inaugural year will see designers such as Nancy Marchant, Isabel Kramer, Carol Feller, Woolly Wormhead, Justina Lacoska, Kate Davies, Louisa Harding, Nathan Taylor and Carrie Westerman teaching specialist workshops on a range of fascinating techniques. With fringe events and a specialist indie marketplace all set within the backdrop of Ireland's East Coast, this is your chance to meet a community of like-minded crafters in one brilliant weekend of yarn. Why not pop over to www.woolin.com and book your ticket now? Welcome to POMCAST, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. I'm Lydia Gluck and I'm here with... Sophie Scott. Woo! Hey! Hey! Can you hear that in the background? We're at Edinburgh Yarn Festival. Yeah, heard 20, of it. 2018. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> yeah, so you can hear lots of um, nice knitting types. Very contented. Wandering around, looking at lovely things, chatting to each other, showing each other their ready-mades. Here's one I made earlier. Yes, no some ready-mades <laughs> in the sense of hand-knit. No. Yes, and uh, people. some people are also knitting as we speak. Mm-hmm. Are um, you? No. No. But, but I plan to. <laughs> I plan to talk a lot about knitting. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think we should say thank you to everyone who came to the stand. Yeah. A lot of you came and said hello and said you like the podcast, which... You know, that, that doesn't get old hearing that. It really doesn't. And <laughs> many of you have POMCAT badges now. Yeah. Hope that you enjoy those. So we have to give a thank you to Ema, who brought us some mini eggs. They always go down well. And uh, also, yeah, because we didn't record a pad- podcast last month. No. Nope. I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, <laughs> whoops. No, we've, uh, life got in the way. Yeah, it's been a busy time at um, <coughs> Pom Pom Towers yep. and also at Pom Pom Sound Production Towers where there is a small baby, as uh, we said before. Producing his own sound. <laughs> Eli is, of course, a dad yeah. and he has many dad duties, which we um, are very glad that he has and wants to do. And uh, yeah, you know, there are many things to work around. So mm-hmm. we thought that we would wait and uh, bring you this episode from Edinburgh. Indeed, and uh, we were unraveled before then mm-hmm. in February. And just to continue the mini egg thanks, thanks to Ali who also brought us some mini eggs. So we're feeling very careful by you lovely pomcats. So thank you. Yes, thank you. So Edinburgh, it's pretty damn cool. Yeah, it's great. Last night we were dancing. Oh yes. (laughs) I love I love a Kaylee. And if you haven't been to a Kaylee, it's kind of like a barn dance, but there's a lot more swinging. It's a lot of swinging. Uh Uh-huh. yep, that was good. Yep. Some fun sort of Scottish music. Yep. Uh, delicious food. A few drinks. I mean, what more could you want? Exactly. Well, and we were um, hanging out with the Arbans, yep. John and Juliet, um, who, for those of you who don't know, make uh, they have a spinning mill in mm-hmm. Devon and make amazing yarns. Yep. Um, so not only have we been hanging out with people, uh, our chums that we get to see at these mm-hmm. festivals, meeting loads of other uh, Pomcats from all over the world, loads of stockists from all over the world, and knitters from just everywhere. I'm amazed at how many, like, Scandi kind of guys and uh, gals. It's been an amazing, uh, amazing group of people to meet. Yeah, yeah, it's a real treat. Hi. That's fine. (laughs) 
We're recording the podcast. Oh. <laughs> no, it's fine. And enter special, yeah. special guest. That's <laughs> she doesn't know yet, Don't but she's just... <laughs> Surprise interview. <laughs> just the international flair that you get at this festival. Yeah. You just talk about famous knitters and they show up. Um, <laughs> um, of course, thank you to Joe and Mika, who... Oh, um, yeah have done such a good job as always. They added on a whole extra bit of indoor space by putting a tent. Yeah, and uh, the guys from Toft, they have a giant Highland cow. We will make sure to take a picture of us with said cat. Yeah, and when I say giant, it's like three or four metres high, this, uh, this cow. It's crocheted. Yeah, that's I impressive, to, it, yeah. To, say, to say the least. So that's what we're up to at the moment, hanging out at this cool festival. But uh, like we said, there's been many things going on at Pom Pom uh, Towers. I like where the towers are. I know. We have a tower now. <laughs> so, uh, Lydia, you've been doing a bit of venturing. I have indeed. In the so, name of Pom. Yeah, in the name. Um, yes, you might have seen, uh, if you follow the social medias, that Megan and I were in Canada. Because mm-hmm. we are working on a book with Emily Foden of Viola Yarns, um, in which... She will be designing things and has been dyeing things, of course. Um, both things she is very, very good at. Mm. So this is going to be a next POM publication. Exactly. This is going to be a POM POM Press book, uh, which will be released around Rhinebeck. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that yet. I don't see why not. Yeah, that's what we've said. I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a postcard saying that. Saying downstairs. Rhinebeck, very good. <laughs> Can't keep up. Um, yep, yeah, so I was in Canada doing that, where it's very snowy. More on snow later. Yep. Um, <laughs> Um, and of course, we've got the latest interpretations. Yes, uh, so that's been flying off the shelves. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lovely Hoki Locatelli and Virovar Maki, they've done their fifth interpretations book. Uh, we're very happy to be publishing that and all the beautiful designs. Mm-hmm. It's very always. special this uh, year because they've collaborated with 12 dyers who've done special custom colorways for each of the designs. So just sprinkling that extra special color dust on everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's a really gorgeous book. And is that all our news? Oh, news we've uh, coming up. You should save the date mm-hmm. for yes. our um, event, a little kind of event we're having in May. So, guys, I think we should officially say we're not going to do Pomfest this year. No. A couple of people have asked. and uh, <laughs> It was really our fifth anniversary party, and yeah. this is not an anniversary um, <laughs> this year, unfortunately. We had such a good time doing it. But, um, yeah, we'll save it up for another special uh, yeah. Yeah. But we're going to have a little bite-sized, a little taster event Yes. Um, in May, on May the 4th. And, no, not May 8th. the 4th, sorry. May the 8th. The 8th of May. That's yeah. it. That's how I remember <laughs> That's how you remember it. May the 4th is Star Wars May Day. May the 4th be with you, whereas this is the 8th, 8th of May. May. Um, so. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to uh, have a little knit night with the London Loom, a little bit of a looming night as well. And we'll have all the samples from summer issue 25. Yeah. It'll be a little sneak preview. And we also are collaborating. Well, the London Loom ladies, Francesca and Brooke, have done a tutorial for our summer issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there will be tutorial-related items there as well. Yep. We will be there. Cocktails will be there. Um, fun. Yep. Fun. They're coming too. Yep. <laughs> uh, so that's just like a little save the date. We'll have the tickets maybe online soon. Soon, If yeah. you're listening in the capacity of now. Um, <laughs> But that's just going to be a little event in London, and of course, we'd love to see you there. (laughs) 
So now that we've done news, that brings us on to the next step, which is reviews. Um, and you may have noticed that we have a new issue out, issue 24, which is our spring issue, mm-hmm. bringing, springing into the 2018. <laughs> Terrible. Probably every year I've said that. Anyway. <laughs> Florals for spring. Groundbreaking. <laughs> um, you know that bit from... Devil Wears Prada, right? No, I don't, about I don't think that. I've really seen that film. All right, well, everyone else listens to this Everyone's one. like, ha, 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 Sophie's doing cultural references. <laughs> Lydia doesn't more, know them. More coming up. <laughs> uh, so we thought we'd talk about some of our faves from that issue. So, yeah, certainly it's popped through your door mm-hmm. already, uh, yep. or you've seen it in your lovely local yarn shop. And yeah. we've had a browse once or twice. Yeah, we've seen the interior. Um, it was inspired by stamps, for those of you who didn't know. Um, so each design in the issue was inspired by a stamp from a different country and we tried to match um, that up with the yarn that was used and we had the wonderful Elena Skreko-Wagner who's worked with us before on the Crafters Unite illustration. She did illustrations um, to accompany the photography. So I think it looks pretty great. Yeah. But I mean, what's a knitting magazine without the knits? <laughs> Am I right? You're right. I think there's definitely been a lot of love at this festival, and myself included, for mm-hmm. Darumi, which is the front cover by uh, Isabel Kramer. Yeah. It's a gorgeous, like, pink yoke with the little triangles, like, feral, mm-hmm. kind of, not feral, colour work detail. Yeah. That's great. Just a simple jumper, but just the little accents of colour. Yeah. And especially, like, the sleeves at the end, you cast off with a different colour, and they're, like, one sleeve has a little cast off in black and one in pink, and... Little I just love that. Cute details. Yeah, it's really lovely. So, yeah, that's a real winner. I'm definitely planning to make that one. Um, I would like to make the Perfin cardigan yeah. by Alice Catano, um, which is a kind of, like, lovely kind of lacy mesh. It's got a really nice uh, pleat detail at the back of the neck. It's quite a, like, nice sort of big snuggly cardi, but mm. also, like, kind of breezy for spring. Breezy for spring. <laughs> breezy for the spring breeze. Uh, what else do I like? I love the Vita de Fee, which mm. has like, so it's knit sort of from cuff to cuff, if you imagine that. And so the lace panels are sort of vertical mm-hmm. down your breasticles. <laughs> and the Moki Heritage, which is this lovely kind of crunchy yarn. Mm. I think it's so simple and elegant, this construction. Yeah. And the, you know, just in that simple kind of warm grey of the mm. fleece. I just think it's a Gorgeous. little staple. You know? That one's an Amy Christopher's pattern, for oh, those yes, of you who yes. are wondering. Um, well, I look forward to seeing you wearing your uh, Vita de V. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to make a joke, but I'm trying to set it up now. <laughs> okay, so... Um, make sure you get your gauge right on that front cover jumper from issue 24. Okay. Because you don't want it to be too derumi. Durumi. Durumi. The jumper <laughs> is called Durumi. <laughs> the, end. <laughs> the end. Okay. And that's issue 24, guys. That's issue 24. That's you need to know. Um, we like it, and we hope you like it too. Um, and now we can move on to our review of some lovely yarns. Oh, yeah, so... Sophie's been knitting with. So uh, this is Fine Fish Yarns, and I got this at Unravel, mm. and uh, it's... Wow. Okay, so I'm excited about it because I'm going to tell you the full story. Okay. So when I used to work at yarn shops, someone was wearing it when they walked in and they had this amazing shawl and I was like, okay, what yarn's that? And I said, oh, it's called Fine Fish Yarns. And I looked up on Ravelry and you can fade the yarn. Yeah. I was like, one day I'll source that. She was like, oh, you know, she's she had a baby and she's kind of taking some time off. I was like, okay, cool. It'll always be nice yarn one day. Yeah. And then 
maybe like a year or so later, the same customer, you know, and I couldn't remember the face, but I saw the shawl and I was like, oh, it's a really great shawl. I was like, wait, I've already liked it. And she's like, yeah, you did. And we had a conversation about that and how we laughed. But then saw an Unravel two years ago and I got the yuan. The end. It was great. That was such a journey. I know. I felt like I was really there with you. And she was at Pomfest and I, you know, I was able to say like, hey, you're really cool. And I actually told the story. And... <laughs> But the good thing is, <laughs> not only do we get to enjoy that story, but we get to enjoy... Well, I get to look at the yarn so, um, in yes. person right now. Here you go. This is the Shimmer Sock, and it is uh, 70% superwash merino, sorry, 75, 20% nylon, and 5% stellina, right? Which comes from the stars? Yes. Uh, it's harvested by pine fish yards from a shooting star yeah. to put it in a sock. Actually, no. It's a nylon-based fibre. It has a metallic look so and like stars yeah and I think that's um, my love of the yarn that I saw mm-hmm. this customer wearing mm-hmm. was it because it was sparkly <laughs> but it's not like you know you get some of those sparkly yarns which are very kind of look like they're electric charged yeah with the sparks coming out yeah, yeah. I think that's great but this this is like the softest kind of sparkle mm. and it's not it's subtle yeah you don't want like a crunch especially because I'm using this to make socks mm. you don't want a sparkle that's going to be like scratchy no, that would be terrible. I just want like twinkly feet. You'll be me. scratched by a sparkle. <laughs> <laughs> so like the Stellina, it just gives it that really like soft glitter. Mm, lovely. Yeah. And, and it's like kind of speckly. Right, yeah. The colour here that we're reviewing is dusted mauve. Mm. Mauve. mauve? No. Mauve. Mauve. <laughs> what do you say, guys? Right, let us know. Because there's a debate going on in my family as well. Because oh, Welsh really? people say mauve. But Very a literal. lot of people who aren't Welsh, for example, say mauve. Yeah, I, I should say. I'd probably say mauve. Well, are you Welsh? <laughs> Borida. <laughs> She's Welsh. That's the only Welsh I know. <laughs> and Panvidu. Panvidu, which I taught Sophie because I grew up in Wales. And Panvidu is one of the only Welsh phrases that stayed with me. And it means, why me, God? Because <laughs> it was the name of a sitcom. I'm it. sure it still is. Anyway. Anyway. Panvidu. Um, Panvidu. Um, so... Yes, knitting with this yarn, I think the joy has been the colour, because mm-hmm. uh, dusted mauve <laughs> uh, is a lovely, soft, warm, pinky lilac, and mm. oh, mauve even, and it has uh, little pops of rusty orange and blue, and there's like this is that lovely subtlety of a speckle, which everyone loves a speckle, right? I mean, I think we can say that for sure. Yeah. Right now, speckles are the thing. And it's a gorgeous superwash merino, so I'm very happy using this for socks. Yeah. A nice stitch definition. Yeah. Uh, we'll put a picture on the blog. If mm-hmm. you didn't know, of course, all the show notes we have on the Pom Pom website, there's a blog there. You can see all the episodes of the podcast and learn all about them. And that's pompommag.com. Tis. Tis. <laughs> and we will put a picture of this sock, which is the Kipper sock from Pom Pom Issue 1. Exactly. Are you familiar with this pattern? Yay. <laughs> so it's got a cute little detail at the toe, like a little, um, do you like a slip one, no, slip three with the yarn in front, and then you get like a little like baggy line, Yeah. and then you and pick you it up, catch it, and you get little triangles, which is great. It's very, very cute. So, fine fish yarns, we're thinking this is pretty fine. Damn fine. Damn fine, <laughs> damn fine yarn. Can I say damn on this podcast? I don't know, we'll clear it with the producers. <laughs> <laughs> And I believe that uh, fine fish yarns can be found at a certain uh, festival. Indeed. Sponsoring this podcast. So thanks to Woolen uh, in Dublin, 
you will be able to see fine fish yarns and uh, recount your own story of like, oh, I saw about this on a podcast. <laughs> la, 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 la. And that'd be great. Yes. And well, thanks, thanks to them for letting us review this yarn. Thank you very much. So speaking of uh, Woolen Festival, those guys very kindly have given us some stuff for a giveaway. Amazing. Amazing. So uh, not only could you get two tickets to go to that smashing festival, um, got some skeins of yarn as well uh, from people who are going to be at the festival. How perfect. How perfect is that? <laughs> so there's Townhouse Yarns. Uh, I've got a lovely four-ply from them. Um, it's their in-house brand, locally dyed by uh, Jenny Sisk Ooh. of uh, This Is Knit. So we say, like, Great. if you haven't said that, Woolen is organised by the lovely guys at This Is Knit, which is a little yarn shop there. Wonderful yarn shop. Uh, the Donegal Wool Spinning Company, uh, which is one of the made from the last remaining mills there in Ireland, uh, based in Kilcar, which is uh, County Donegal. Mm. Very cool. And the Estuous Wool, which is a single ply, uh, which is 100% Galloway fleece, sourced and dyed in Ireland. Yeah, and we obviously are sad that we can't be there in person, mm-hmm. but we think it sounds like such a wonderful festival and what a nice part of the world to be able to go to and visit and see some of the yarns that are made there yeah um so thank you so much to them we will be there in spirit that's true 100 percent in spirit because uh there's also the uh issue 25 trunk show will be with the gals uh at uh woolen yeah so if you can't make it on the 8th of may then you know where to go As we mentioned, uh, Pom Pom was at Unravel. I was going to say we were at Unravel, but I wasn't at Unravel. We thought of you off. I was frolicking in the snow, (laughs) um, being variously very, very cold and very, very warm. Um, (laughs) um, But in my absence, of course, Sophie conducted some interviews with several wonderful knitting types. We should say that Ava and I were supposed to um, come and be interviewed and teach, but unfortunately was ill, and we hope that she's feeling much, much better now. But definitely, we'll, uh, we've still got her earmarked for a podcast in the future because we really like to Yeah, her Great amazing, giving, uh, clever lady. Crochet designs are really, mm-hmm. really one of a kind. Um, but Sophie spoke to Hannah Machievska. Mm-hmm. I hope I pronounced your name passably, Hannah. And Zoe Fletcher. So yeah. tell, tell me more, Soph. So Hannah is a pom-pom designer. Yep. You might know her design Thessaly from issue 18. Mm-hmm. Of course, we talk more about that in the interview. It's great to hear about her process as a, as a designer. Mm-hmm. And she was teaching at the festival, so uh, find out about that from her. And Zoe Fletcher, who was uh, amazing, like amazingly good sport to at the last minute, say, yeah, sure, I'll stay for another day and have an interview <laughs> with you. Um, she's done this amazing project where she's catalogued all different British sheep breeds and so cool. sort of the properties of those it's been her PhD it's been her sort of her, her focus for the last couple of years researching and sort of going all over the country um, finding more about sheep fleeces yeah. and the properties and you know this is the interview I mean she mm. explains it beautifully and her her enthusiasm I mean both of the both of the people we talk to are amazing I say we the royal podcast <laughs> their enthusiasm and their dedication to their to knitting and what they do is uh, yeah it was a pleasure to speak to them both and uh, yeah have a listen guys enjoy hi Hannah hi so what what's brought you to unravel um 
first of all, I'm so nervous. <laughs> They're a friendly um, bunch of knitters. Everyone is very friendly. I know so. they are. They are lovely <laughs> and I love to be here. Um, uh, organizers had approached me a few months ago via email and invited me here and because I really love um, teaching and knitting and meet new people, I was really flattered and of course honored and I agreed. Um, and here I am uh, teaching two classes, uh, basic shawl shapes, mm -hmm. which I had in the morning and top-down sweater with satin sleeves, which will be here tomorrow. Uh, on the top-down sweater, we just talking about the basic construction of the sweater and making a really tiny sample, like a doll-sized sweater. On the shawls, we talk about um, how, to, how the placement of increases and the rate of increases can change the shape completely. So you can play around with placing the increases in different, sometimes weird places, and you can see the difference uh, in the shawl sh shape. Mm -hmm. Okay, when you say weird increases, what do you mean? Uh, like um, in the middle of increases made in the previous row, yeah. or in the corner somewhere, or in just in the middle of the shawl body. So you can just go crazy and hmm. do some improvising. Very good. And you say you enjoy teaching. What is it about teaching that sets you alight? Oh, most of all, meeting live people yeah. and talking to them. It's quite different than like communicating through uh, internet, right? So mm -hmm. uh, instead of seeing Ravelry avatar, you can see the whole person, you can interact with people and you can see hear the feedback. And uh, um, I really enjoy um, talking about what other knitters like to make, what they avoid in the pattern, in the, in the pattern. so it's, it's priceless, mm. actually. Anything from this lesson today that you've uh, learned? Uh, it was amazing. I was really nervous as always, uh, but it was really, really. You don't friendly. seem nervous. We have oh to yes, I am. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying my best, but I am nervous. Uh, it was really great. People were friendly, and I was very, very nervous because you are all native speakers, and English is my second language, and my accent is obviously hard, and you can hear my Polish accent. But and I was a bit worried that they they won't be able to understand me. But it was. I mean, I enjoyed it. I really loved it. You have the universal language of knitting here. So Absolutely. We can, we can all... Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of knitting, let's talk about how you came to be a knitter and designer. Sort of, what are your earliest memories of knitting? Um, I've been told by my uh, grandma when I was a kid. I think I was 10 or 11. I don't actually remember. So my earliest memories would be probably my grandma sitting with me and show me, me those the same movements over and over again, like need pull, need pull, yeah. while I practiced. Um, later on, I started to make sweaters. I mean, a few years later, I started making sweaters for myself and they were all yeah. hideous, I'm afraid. <laughs> they were just a square shape, uh, very wide and quite short. So we're, I would... I wouldn't wear them today, but yeah. I loved them back then. I, I was really proud I can make a sweater. Yeah. So this is it, yeah. actually. And then what, what sort of was the, the start of designing the move? I actually always kind of designed for myself mm -hmm. because I wanted to have something unique, something unusual, something you cannot buy in a store. So I um, improvised. I used different stitch patterns, different yarn. And back then in Poland, unfortunately, you cannot buy that much stuff in a store, right. which is, you know, sad and unfortunate, but this was the truth. So if you wanted to have something unique, something special, the best way would to be to, to, be to do it yourself. Yeah. 
And you, that's really interesting, like, because I think sometimes I've heard knitters say, oh, I'd like to try, but I don't know how to, you know, they're afraid of making any mistakes. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think advice you'd have to sort of try it yourself? Oh, or? Don't be afraid, just try. Yeah, just try. don't be nervous. Don't, don't be nervous. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you cannot go wrong with knitting. Yeah. Or, I mean, the worst case scenario is just pulling and starting all over again. So it's always funny. Don't be afraid, just try it on. Okay. Advice resort <laughs> in life. Um, okay, so you've designed for Pom Pom, which I we're very had happy a pleasure about. To yeah. Do it. <laughs> um, I want to talk about your design from issue 18, which was Cecily, uh, which is a lovely sort of open front cardigan, uh, sort of pale pink in the issue, if people were recalling it. Issue 18 was all natural dyes and sort of lots of floral motifs. Um, could you talk us through the process of some, you know, coming up with a design? working for a brief like that and mm-hmm. creating a design, submitting it. When I work on submission, it's a bit different when, than I work for myself because when I work for myself and I um, publish the pattern by myself, it's a bit, bit more, uh, less stress, stressful, you know okay. what I mean? Because <laughs> I don't have the deadline and I can um, play around a bit more. Mm-hmm. But when I work for a submission, I most of the time I read the submission call very carefully and muse over it for a few, a few days to get the feeling. Uh, of the theme and uh, the theme for um, issue 18 was uh, I think that was autumn autumn colors mm. uh, yeah natural it's dyes vivid, like something. vivid autumn we had natural dyes you know some people are nodding like they know the issues is good mm. um, it was great issue it was. yeah it's a sellout you know <laughs> <laughs> it was it was great so this uh, submission had almost like my name written on it mm. because I my recent um, passion is dyeing yarn so when I read the submission call, I said, okay, I need to try it. And um, I tried a few uh, um, te- dye te- techniques, but I mm. haven't tried natural dye yet. And yeah. I know it's very, very hard. So I really admire all those dyers who can do great, beautiful colors using natural dyes. And uh, that's why, first of all, I wanted to try it. And second of all, I didn't want to overwhelm the, uh, the sweater. So I used only like a... a delicate cables and twisted mm. stitches and because I love open cardigans and uh, that's my favorite construction so I decided to use this construction open cardigan with raglan sleeves all um, seamless because that's the best way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and made some sketches and made, made some swatches and uh, I was really happy you liked it too so that's why how it goes. Yeah. So then, so the process, you've made the swatches, you've come, you have this, like you say, it's this open face cardigan with the little uh, cable details mm-hmm. and raglan. As a, as a process of then making that into a design, do you sort of knit and write as you go or is it just you work from that swatch? And I usually uh, write as I go because mm. very often I change my idea during the knitting process. Okay. So even though I make a swatch and make a, um, a sketch, it's very often, the, the, the finished sweater is very often very different than the, mm. my idea in the beginning. Sometimes it's the same, but sometimes it's quite different. Yeah. So I may think about the cardigan and end up with a uh, pullover okay. and the other way around. Uh, so but like I, you start with a hat and end up with a jumper. So almost, yeah. <laughs> almost, almost, almost like that. Yeah, interesting. So that's quite a, a strict 
brief, I suppose, if you're you know, working with a magazine and submitting something. If we were to take, for example, we have one of your shawls here on the mannequin. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you could describe the process there. That's sort of, is that more freeform? It, it is freeform. Yeah. It is my, my own pattern. I mean, I published it on library mm -hmm. um, as a part of uh, Malabrigo Free, mm -hmm. Free is, I forgot the name, sorry. <laughs> uh, so this, uh, I think the collection of five or six designs, three sweaters and uh, coal and a shawl. So that I, I had, you know, I, I could do whatever I wanted, so I didn't mm -hmm. have to um, submit any sketches. They they just asked me uh, to design a collection, and they sent me uh, the yarn. Uh, so I work whatever, however I wanted, yeah. uh, and I really like bias those bias shawls. So this was the, I mean, the straight cold go to the bias yeah. shawl. Excellent. Um, so I've heard that we, you were talking about dyeing yarn. I've heard that your family have been involved in your projects as well, oh, your yes, husband we, dying on. Yes, I mean, we, we do it together, but mostly he does it because I, I don't always have time. But my whole family helps me a lot. You know, it's I live with my uh, husband, uh, who's here with me, but he stayed in a hotel. <laughs> He's the bug carrier, you know, like, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 you can call him roadie or something. Yeah, like yeah. That's the word, English that's word. Good, yeah. <laughs> So he's here with me. Uh, I live with my daughter, almost ten year old daughter, daughter and uh, my mom. So they help me a lot because I spend so much time knitting and designing and right, using the computer. So they've decided to that they can help me so we can spend some time together. Mm. And it looks like they enjoy it. I mean, they didn't complain. So yeah. <laughs> I hope that they like it. Uh, my my mom cakes yarn. My daughter, uh, you know, picks colors and she makes some drawings, which is really funny because mm -hmm. most of them are impossible to knit later on. Yeah, so, I, went to, I read about this. So she's she's doing little fashion designs for yes. you. Yes, yeah? they're really funny and you know out of shape and yeah. really out of proportion and and impossible to knit. But I mean, I collect them because they are really cute. Yeah, and just for memories. And my husband is our photographer, mm -hmm. and he also helps me with all the computer stuff. So he's a computer geek. And he's into dyeing, all those technical problems, all those writing notes, um, you know, like we can, so we can recreate the color yeah. later because I'm all, all of, you know, putting the different dyes, mixing them, yeah. going crazy and developing new colors, and they're later impossible to recreate. Yeah. So. He helps me a lot with that. So we are having fun. Yeah, it's we, a good creative family. I'm uh, trying our best. <laughs> We've just opened an online store with our yarn, so it's like a new baby. In a yeah, family. so what are the colors like? How do you work on a process of color? And, uh, so this is quite new. I it think. is, yeah. it is, just a few weeks. Wow, yeah. Uh, I think that we've started like really seriously last September, uh, but the store only works since, I think, December mm. or something. So, so it's not that long uh, we, we do lots of experimentations yeah, right now okay. we um, do sparkles and uh, semi uh, semi solids mm -hmm. and solids and we try new bases so yeah. it's merino blends and merino plus yak which is really new I mean really gorgeous yeah and I think that we will go for something more woolly but we haven't tried any yet so have any of the designs that your daughter's drawn, have they become an actual published design yet? Not yet, not yet. You're going to have to work hard. You know, yes. she's pushing your creative uh, technique. Yes, and I'm trying to teach her how to knit, actually, right now. Yeah. 
and I tried to teach her my way with um, yarn wrapped around the yeah, finger. Like throwing, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a bit hard, too hard for her because I mean, you need to be more, I don't know, coordinate your movements. Mm. So I'm trying to teach her British way to knit with uh, yarn in the left hand, yeah. right hand. I mean, and it's a lot easier for her, surprisingly, even though I don't have idea how to do it. But he can wrap yarn around the uh, the needle, yeah. and it's a lot easier. So. Perhaps having a browse of the audience is like a mix, I think, of oh. uh, both techniques. Quite interesting. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, talking about uh, knitting styles, um, I don't. I have to say, I don't know much about the knitting culture in Poland and sort of the heritage mm -hmm. there. Because you were saying, if you're teaching her to throw, is that how you learnt then? Yeah, um, we had knitting classes at school okay. back then. I mean, it was a long time ago. I'm, I'm quite old, <laughs> so it was a long time ago. I'm not sure if they are teaching knitting at school right now. Um, but we still have a really strong knitting culture in mm. Poland, but we unfortunately, we don't have big uh, yarn festivals like Unravel or uh, Edinburgh Yarn Festival, so it's something to hope for in the future, for the future. We have lots of knitting meetings, like when we just gather together and sit, knit, have a cup of coffee, mm. and uh, do some talking, chatting, and it's most of the time it's in a yarn store or just close to the or near the yarn store. Um, but no festivals yet. Um, we are trying to change it. I mean, my two, two of my friends and myself uh, decided to organize like a not a festival, but a all day event for all knitters from all over Poland and of course abroad, so we are welcome to, to visit. Open uh, invitation everyone, there you yes. go. Yes, <laughs> we are doing it every September, so mm -hmm. this year it's September 1st and it starts in the morning and it lasts until the late of the evening and we do nothing but sitting, talking, enjoying the time together and we invite few, I mean not few, like quite a number of Polish hand dyers, mm -hmm. so there's still something local to buy. And there are many of them and they they do gorgeous work so that sounds like fun it is yeah. it is fun. <laughs> so you're doing it this year yes oh, september 1st <laughs> um so with uh so the tradition of knitting in poland would you say there's like a traditional style like you think of maybe guernsey jumpers in the uk or like a fair isle would you not fair isle i mean we do that oh, no, but you do have your own sort of uh, mm -hmm. i don't think i i, I haven't thought about it actually to be honest with you i know that uh, i mean at least the part of poland where i live which is the center of poland uh we have strong russian influences okay. you know so yeah. I, the way i need it's actually it's probably a mixture of uh uh continental and russian way which is i mean i wrap the yarn different way so whenever i uh, write the pattern i need to think in my head how to write them let's say correctly i mean the, the way most people uh, do. Mm. Uh, but like I said, every knitter has its own way. So it's a mixture, actually. We don't, we don't. I don't think we have a like a certain style or mm. anything. So Interesting. We do whatever. And right now, ravelry is, you know, everywhere. So we do ravelry all the time. Yeah. We like look for the patterns and for new people to meet there, which is amazing. Excellent. Well, now you've met everyone here at Ravel, so that's good. Oh yes, yes. So Pom uh, Pom's new issue, our spring issue, the theme is stamps. And uh, one of the articles there is talking about uh, the community and the you know, the connection. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we have Ravelry. There's a huge international community, as you said, through there. Um, 
and but we're talking also in the article about uh, post and how that's you know snail mail is keeps some communities mm-hmm. together. Uh, I was wondering if you had any, do you have any knitting pen pals or even electronically, do you work and keep in touch with fellow knitters? Oh yes, definitely, definitely. I I always love that I can be considered one of the best customers in my local post office. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I wish I could do it more often, like I send handwritten postcards and, and gifts and uh, uh, letters. I mean, it's unfortunately, it, it's dying a bit. It's mm. getting less and less popular because the internet, you know, you know, because of the internet, which is faster and easier, but it doesn't have this the personality. The the you know the there's something special about handwritten card, right? So it I'm I miss that a lot, and I wish I could do it more often. Uh, but I try to keep it in touch with my friends, uh, especially friends abroad, and with my, with my testers. And if I cannot do it via regular post the post office, I do it online, yeah. and. It, it's, like I said, it's a lot faster and easier and it helps a lot, especially when you are uh, testing, the testing process, yeah. uh, because we can share pictures and uh, and comments and we can respond to emails very quickly. And if you do it via uh, regular post, it would take forever. Yeah. So so it helps a lot. And I have really special uh, long distance friend in the US and she helps me a lot with, for example, naming my, my designs, oh, yeah. which is like the hardest part of the process because it, it's impossible to pick a correct name. I mean, the right yeah. catching name. I, and she's very good in that. And the the names of new colorways, the yarn colorways yeah. too. And the, she translates my patterns uh, mostly into German. So she's great. That's she, lovely to have, yeah. Yes, she's amazing. So What's the secret with naming patterns then? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't found one, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't know, no ideas. Sometimes it just clicks and you know how to name it. Yeah. And sometimes, I don't know. I, I mean, when I put some patterns into testing, sometimes I call them XXX, triple X, because I still don't know until it, the very end how yeah. to name the design. So One hasn't slipped through as triple X yet. Oh, you see? Well, I know when you've run out of ideas. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see? So. Uh, wonderful. Well, one of our traditional podcast questions is uh, Desert Island Yarn. Oh. So if you're a cast upon a desert isle, uh, what would be the one yarn? You get unlimited supply, you get all the colours, you have to choose one to take with you. It is impossible to answer, you know. <laughs> I said I, they'd all be easy questions about knitting, you're like, oh, not this one. No, it's, I mean, impossible, because I want them all, you know, I well, just don't want to pick one. I want them all, all yarn in the world, all colours, the pink one is the best, of course. Uh, I go easy, I will take the uh, undyed base. Okay. And, and we'll play around. I will hope. To f- I mean, I would hope to find some natural dyes and that sounds fun. That just play a bit. Yeah. Get creative. We haven't had that answer before. That's that's a good one. I think playing yeah. around with natural dyes. Can I take the needles with me, or I have to improvise, like use the fish bones or sticks? Or we've something? never had that. Que- I don't know. We've never had that I question. So that would be even uh, even more fun. Yeah. Um, well. If people want to find out more about you, what's your website and you social media things? Where would they go? I'm on Raverly. I'm as uh, Hada one three one because Hada is my like I I mean you can say my nickname and unfortunately someone already used Hada without yeah. numbers. So I had to use one three one. Uh, so the one hundred and thirty one. Yes. One yes, yeah. and I have a website which I unfortunately don't use very often, but it's uh, hadaneeds.com. Okay. And um, on the Instagram as 
again as Hada one through one, and on Facebook um, Hada's little corner. That's very so nice little corner of Facebook for you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Hannah, for speaking with us all. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you so much for yeah. having me here. Thank you, and enjoying our pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks. you've all brought you knitting. Um, very happy to be joined by Zoe Fletcher, who's very last minute, um, been a good sport and agreed to come and chat with us and tell you all about her project. Um, I've given you the title, title Wool Explorer. I'm very happy with yeah, that. Yeah, so uh, Zoe, the Wool Explorer, can you tell <laughs> us uh, about your project? Uh, it's new to me and I don't know how many people know about it as well. Yes. So. So it started off, I was a knitwear designer before I had the opportunity to go and do a PhD, which is very scary, but someone let me actually do a PhD in British wool, mm -hmm. which was amazing. So I ran with it um, and I focused for the last three years, it's been practice led um, on pure British breeds. So the 72 British pure breeds of sheep, um, all living in different geographical locations, bred over hundreds of years um, to get the best um, out of fleece, meat and skin for the farmers. And I wanted to join up the dots. So I wanted to go and explore the narrative behind it, that authenticity that we can't compete with China and Pakistan mm -hmm. on um, monetary um, terms and economies of scale. But what we can do, we've got this amazing story and history behind our sheep, behind our fleece and behind our wool. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to explore all those individual characteristics of the 72 breeds. Okay, so you say you were a knitwear designer. What had you found that was missing with the information that made you start this project? So 100% wool is fantastic, but if you don't know what breeds go into that 100% wool, it's very difficult to say why a jumper's pilling, why it drapes a certain way, mm -hmm. how to recreate it at home. Um, so you could, I could knit a jumper one way for a sample, send it off once I got a, d a different type of yarn and the yarn came back from production. It's 100% wool, felt great. But when I actually knit it up again, it could look completely different. Mm -hmm. So until you know why, you probably wouldn't want a Swaledale fleece. Um, if any of you have felt it, you will know it's quite itchy and scratchy. You won't want that right next to your skin, but you might want the blue face Lester for its luster and for its nice sheen when it dies. So until you can map those qualities and you know them and you can explore them yourself, how do you know what's going to get mm -hmm. the best design? So it was a problem I wanted to solve. <laughs> so you talked about uh, mapping these characteristics. And when we were talking earlier, you said you wanted to provide a narrative for the yarns. Could you tell us about what, what were the characteristics that you wanted to find to sort of map? explain everything yeah so through my exploration i went to high industry producers i worked with the british wool marketing board um, for their character um, for their statistics and data and character um knowledge i worked with farmers i worked with makers and i worked with knitters and it was connecting those together so industry has a very different language to how mm -hmm. a knitter would speak and i wanted to know why the micron count was important why it's on um all my fact sheets and i wanted people to understand the importance of knowing the micron count and the staple length and how those change mm. the characteristics. So integrating and combining all those into a narrative that worked for everyone. Okay. 
So indulge me. I've heard micron count and staple length I'm familiar with, but mm -hmm. if you were to take it, sort of explain those in the ways that you've, why are they important for what you've put together? So the micron count is the diameter of each individual fibre. Mm -hmm. um, so a yarns will be made up of hundreds and hundreds of millions of different fibres all intertwined together, depending if it's um, woolen or worsted spun. Mm -hmm. um, the diameter of it means the thickness of it. So just like your hair, you can have fine hair and thick hair. The finer your hair, the more you can twist together. The, mm -hmm. It usually works within a worsted system when they comb it. So just like you're combing your hair over yeah. and over again, you can align it and you get that nice sheen. Whereas the shorter fibres, normally with a slightly thicker um, micron count, you can only twist a certain amount of those mm -hmm. before it starts to get bulky. So understanding why those different diameters matter to your, to your end yarn. So a grey-faced Dartmoor is a luster breed and it dyes beautifully and it's really nice and sheeny, but it's actually got a really thick micron count. Okay. So once you knitted it together, it actually gives you quite a heavy weight um, fleece. So you might want to work with something else, depending on what you okay. do in the end. Well, I'd like to talk about some of the things you've got onto the table, which you guys can see here. Now we have to convert to the audio <laughs> format for the, the podcast. Uh, so yeah, maybe talk us about the sort of articles you've got on the table here for everyone. So when I started the research, I delved into kind of the British World Marketing Board statistics, um, the individual breed site statistics, um, and it's all mapped out on spreadsheets and it's the XY equals 65 count and um, the micron count percentage wise and it was a maze and I'm not a scientist. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what those meant. So I spent ages <laughs> picking out what I thought was relevant to knitters, um, asking other people, going to conferences, going to workshops, going to loads of different festivals and asking people what they wanted to know mm. and picked out those best bits. And this is a little glimpse of my designer's toolkit, as I like to call it. So there's a physical one and a digital one. The digital one will be a website presence, which is secret behind doors at the moment until I pass my PhD, fingers crossed. Um, but after that, it will be let loose to the world. But this is um, a little bit of the physical element. So I wanted it to be interesting. I wanted it to look good. And I wanted people to really come and be able to engage with the fibres, be able to read about it at the same time as touching, feeling, and handling them. Okay. So, for example, so uh, just looking at one of these fact sheets almost, is this... Ooh. Can you talk us through this? Can we hold yes, it up so, and you say... So in my house, <laughs> I have millions of boxes full of fleece, full of information, full of printouts. But with 72 breeds, I can never take that round to different locations. So I wanted to compile it all onto one A4 sheet. So it's got all the industry data. So we've got the micron count and the handle, the staple length, the color, the fleece weight. But then you've also got the physical properties of being able to touch the raw fleece, taking it through to a spun yarn, then a little knitted sample, a little bit of history and about the geographical location of it. And then I went right back to kind of the microscopic qualities, because even though we're not using it, or I'm not using it as a scientist, actually I quite like the pictures and it's quite nice to yeah. see that structure <laughs> of the scales. And so making something aesthetically pleasing that makes you want to go in and touch it mm. and look at it and become interested in breeds that you might not have necessarily ever heard about, thought about before. Yeah. So with the, the 72 British breeds, you sort of travelled the length of the country doing all this research. Mm -hmm. How was that? 
It was fun. Yeah. It was really fun. I got to look at sheep and fields all day. <laughs> I want that one. <laughs> yes. I spent a lot of time in my car. I went to producers, so I went to woolen spinners and worsted spinners. I talked to farmers. I got to get my wellies on with yeah. my big um, bulky jumper and waterproofs. Your wool it was jumper, very, right? my, Of course, wool jumper. <laughs> <laughs> it was very wet and all across the country, very wet. I think either I take the weather with me or I'm just really unlucky. Um, but the sheep loved it, so it's all fine. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I got to I got to kind of see all these things in motion and see what farmers do every day and connect that back with the end product. So seeing mm. these sheep in a field to a gorgeous jumper on a shelf, I got to see this whole transformation and I wanted other people to see the journey what as would, well. What did the farmers think? Because if you're... I mean, sometimes you must have been dealing with people who are, you know, farming for meat. What yep. did they think about this whole classification of the fleece? I think they just thought I was a bit crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think once I started to talk to them about it, it's, it's a shame that predominantly now they get their money from the meat industry mm. and wool is now a byproduct. So a lot of them couldn't even get rid of their fleece. Mm. Like they were give, trying to give it away for, for free mm -hmm. and sometimes they couldn't even do that. So I have seen horrible scenes in... Um, Newcastle in the north, I just stumbled upon where I'm in a nice country walk and there's a pile of fleeces being burnt. And I was yeah. like, oh my goodness, <laughs> what could these have been used yeah. for? <laughs> um, so I think it was it's, it's a balancing act between they need their livelihood and they need to be able to succeed. And in my mind, if we can up the value of wool and make it more desirable, that can have a kind of upcycle in effect mm. so they can have two streams of revenue rather than just relying on the one okay. i mean here we are a group of people who obviously value wool and fleece what do you think uh, need to be the steps to make that a wider appreciation i think we do need you think to think this links into it yeah i think this obviously like links into it i think what we need to think about is thinking not just about monetary values and not just about going for the cheapest and going for everyone loves a bargain I love a bargain as much as the next person but if you can buy into the story and you can see it here with all the amazing people selling things going and talking to them and seeing how passionate they are about it if we can show them that actually buying this yarn or making this garment at the end of it can have a benefit on 20 different people in the chain mm. hopefully that type of value and that authenticity behind it push that not just going straight for the economies of scale on the cheapest actually adding value through an experience i guess yeah hmm. excellent well one thing i want to know is which is your favorite out of the 72 do you have any this is a surprising question i always get or? asked do you know what? i'm going to be really i'm going to go true to my heart and i've said it to every single one i always go back to my first sheep, my first love, <laughs> which is a Derbyshire Gritstone one. And that's only because I did an MA down in London um, and my, da my dad's a vicar and he knows everyone in the town that we live in. And he happened to know the farmer that has 2,000 Derbyshire Gritstone sheep um, all across uh, the Bolton countryside. Um, and he, I would have been mortified, but he literally just rang him up and was like, hey, my daughter really likes sheep. <laughs> She'd can like she, to meet them, can yeah. she come and meet your sheep? And he was like, yeah, okay. And it just happened to be around shearing season and he let me come up, try and shear a sheep. I think I got three quarters of the way through one sheep. Yeah. Sheep are really big when they're like, <laughs> I mean, you have to kind of hold four feet and the leg, the head goes between your legs. Yeah. And I was a bit scared of like, 
nicking them. Yeah. So I did about three quarters before I backed out. But that was my first sheep, and he was a gorgeous uh, sheep. Was a gorgeous Derbyshire Gritstone. Yeah. So she will always have my have my heart. And what qualities did you feel from the fleece while you were shearing her? <laughs> I had the softest hands afterwards because yeah? well they're just full of grease and lanolin. Sure. So. It, it was nice, softest hands ever. There you go. <laughs> Everyone has to try sharing a sheep now. I think. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got this uh, this toolkit that you've put together. How? So you're thinking your designers would use it for other properties. Um, how would you think uh, it works for sort of knitters or just even non-knitters? How do you want people to work with it? I want them to either they can come in and they can dip in and just scratch the surface of it if they just want to know about the different sheep that are there. So you what they look like or they can start to delve in deeper work through testing different yarns and going and exploring finding different people like there's loads of people here that have got single breed yarns mm. they could come and look at these sheets learn about the history mm. then go and test it themselves mm. and how have you used has that changed your i mean what ways has it changed your relationship with wool and how you knit and what you choose to work with now they, i have always loved wool but now i am a little bit of a wool snob <laughs> like there's certain breeds that I know like I absolutely love Herdwick and Swaledale okay. and I know I wouldn't want to wear a jumper right next to my skin but the colours that you get from it you can never ever replicate that by trying to dye them yeah so I would have that prickle just to go for the colour okay. so there's certain breeds that I'm always like oh I know your backstory I love you <laughs> I'm gonna bring you in and I think that was that's the beauty of it they've all got these individual stories and yeah. they've all got the most crazy amazing farmers behind them yeah that absolutely love their sheep yeah i love that phrase you said the narrative behind it being able to connect it to that place and, yeah because yeah. i mean a lot of the sheep as well they're all they're named after places like swale dale yeah sheep is named after swale dale yeah. and it's that that such a personal connection to the place yeah is a beautiful thing and i don't want to risk over farming but at the same time we've got to appreciate what we have now and fully utilize it and it's not being used to its best at the moment so you say you've got the, the physical toolkit and the digital toolkits in the, in the works. Mm -hmm. um, what sort of future do you see for the project and where would you like to take it? Well, I am foremost a knitwear designer and through this I've made some amazing connections with farmers, with makers. Um, some of the breeds have fallen on my lap and to be able to get kind of samples of them, I had to take them to the woolen spinning mill and I had to get them spun so I have... 10 kilos of six different breeds yeah. in my garage <laughs> which my partner loves <laughs> um so the next stage for me is to start creating with them so I've done all these samples and I've kind of been quite restrained mm. because I've had to do 72 of everything but now I can kind of let myself go a little bit and really start to experiment and work back in yeah. and hopefully get other people to work with them as well and get feedback and build that narrative and oh. keep expanding it That's, that sounds fantastic well I am certainly going to have a play with all the skeins and uh, <laughs> sheep cutouts you've brought here. So I'd encourage everyone to come and have yes. a, a look at what Zoe's brought along. Uh, if people want to keep uh, up to date with what you're doing and sort of more about the project, where would they go? So you can uh, follow me on Instagram at the Woolist. Um, you can also see some more of my, not necessarily private life, but some of my knitwear designs at Flock Knitwear. Um, so I collaborate with a fashion photographer and we are starting to make products and make things out of these lovely yarns as well. well thanks so much for coming along. Thank you, Zoe. Thank
that was awesome. I felt like I was there. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks again to Hannah and to Zoe. Uh, more information on either of those, of course, will be on the Pom Pom blog. And uh, yeah, and I guess thanks to Unravel as well oh, for yeah. allowing us to what a great festival. do all the organising. There's like big festival episode, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's like just before the summer when the NME used to print their like festival issue. Not printing any me anymore. I know. I read some think pieces on it. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, you're just gonna have to buy Pom Pom magazine all the time. I know. Yeah. We'll start putting music reviews in. We could do that. Anyway, oh, yeah. watch this space. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, does this take us to our final and in some ways most popular? feature indeed top three <laughs> i mean we would have just thought when we first started this podcast this would be quite a throwaway section an indulgent uh, <laughs> rambling as if the out. rest of the podcast wasn't that <laughs> i feel like podcasts should just be called indulgent rambles <laughs> like i listen to a lot of podcasts so that's not me being mean about podcasts i mean maybe not the ones that ira glass produces because i don't know if you've ever heard him talk about how he makes this american life but it's no. Arduous. Oh, right. Well. So much work. Uh, we, of course, also put lots of work into it, but I think it's safe to say not as much work as they oh. do. Well, it's, it's not even work. It's so much fun. Exactly. We put a lot of fun into it. What was the uh, the thing I said? It was like the three categories of podcasts. I was like, which one are we? And it's the one that I... The one was like, I don't know how to edit my friends. And I was oh, like, yeah. oh, maybe. <laughs> That'll be us. <laughs> well, let's see how little editing we can do on this section. So, um, as always, we would try to come up with a top three. And we couldn't, so we asked Amy, and the first idea she came up with was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> she wins. So, things about snow. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't know what hemisphere of the world you are in, but recently in the UK we had Beast from the East, <laughs> and that was a big old thing. So basically it like was a bit cold and snowed more than it had done in a while, and the whole country ground to a halt. Yeah. Um, which was, for some people, I think quite fun. And for many people, pretty much the exact opposite yeah. of fun. I had a friend who was taken into work by the army. Oh my god! Yeah, is she like a nurse. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it wasn't in a tank though, which I was. <laughs> she had me a photo of her in a big car, and I was like, mm, oh. it's not a tank. Um, yeah, so I think, and I, actually, there were some really amazing stories of um, staff in hospitals and so on, just like sleeping overnight yeah. so that they could continue to care for their patients. So I think everybody who, like, you know, went the extra mile, hope that you guys are. Uh, know have been taken care of since then and recovered anyone who was stuck somewhere hope you managed to get a hot chocolate at least (laughs) and anyone who like had really fun snow times woo (laughs) good times did you build a snow person for example did they have a carrot nose what did the snowman say to the other snow person do you smell carrots yes (laughs) that's exactly what they said anyway so based on our new recent snow experiences, mm-hmm. we thought we'd do top three snow things. Nice. Uh, I'd like you to go first. I think you were very excited about the snow. Yeah, so quick update. Obviously, I was in Canada where um, it snows. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't normally snow that much or at all, really, yeah. in the UK, in the places that I have lived, which are mainly south. Um, so I was in Canada for a week, of course, and the snow was real snow. And I when then we went to real Poland. Snow, you're like knee high, right? Yeah, and it was, um, I don't know, I'd never experienced snow like that before, basically. Um, And of course, Emily and her family, they live um, in quite a sort of of out-of-the-way kind of place. Like, there's lots of other houses around, but everything's very spread out. It's about three hours outside of Toronto. Um, And so you've got that kind of amazing expanse of snow. Um, So it's not just, like, snow in the streets with cars, you know. It's just, like, miles and miles of pristine snow with little animal tracks in. 
In fact, that's going to be number three of oh, let's just, three. Let's just slide right in there. That segue is so smooth. <laughs> it's the only one I've ever done. <laughs> it's like a sled going down a hill. <laughs> um, I'm crashing into a tree. So, at number three, um, things that I like about snow is the little animal tracks that you see in the morning. Maybe not the morning. You just see little boop, 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 where like a little bird has hopped along or like maybe a cat has padded around. Um, can I just say I saw a beaver when I was in Canada and really? the Canadians that I was with were like, we've never seen a beaver before. And I was like, cool. <laughs> Spend like one week in Canada just to see a beaver. Wow, that's pretty cool. It was gnawing a thing. <laughs> I mean, I saw it at a distance and I didn't know that it was a beaver until somebody went, a beaver. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. Anyway, so that's an animal that probably made some tracks in the snow and that's why I brought it up. So that's number three. Okay. At number two, I'm going to say the cool, weird, crunchy sound, or just like the sound of snow. Ooh, yeah. So when you step on it and it's fresh and it makes like a kind of... It's almost squeaky. It's, it is squeaky. I was going to say it's almost like polystyrene but that makes it sound unpleasant. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of squeaky and crunchy at the same time. And also, when there's a lot of snow, it kind of dampens noise in general. So Nature's polystyrene. <laughs> Nature's polystyrene. Yeah, let's start packing um, boxes with snow. Oh, so wet. Um, so yeah, so that when you like when we were doing the photo shoot outside, sneak preview yep. the fact that the photo shoot was has includes lots of lots of snow. Um, there was a kind of weird acoustic effect that mm. would happen when you were trying to talk to each other. It like kind of dampened everything. Um, in a yeah, I guess like polystyrene probably would. I mean, the parallels between polystyrene and snow are. Bang. Oh, just that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my favourite thing about snow so far, I mean, apart from the fact that it makes you sometimes get to sit inside with a hot chocolate, is so when I was in Poland just after Canada, I feel like I did a snow tour this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was very cold and it snowed. It didn't, it wasn't nearly as beautiful as it was in Morsburg, um, partially because I was in a city, which is a beautiful city, but city snow is like, it's not nice. Mm. It's kind of sludgy and grey. Anyway, so one of my favourite things about snow, snowflakes. Okay. So you know when you see pictures of snowflakes that have been taken with um, microscopes, for you example? you get the super duper, yeah. And they look amazing. And yeah. you're like, you know, no snowflake is alike. And we're, of course, of the snowflake generation where <laughs> we melt at the slightest idea of uh, unpleasantness, which I think is a good thing. Um, yeah, so you're like, wow, look at these snowflakes. But then when you see snow, it's just either like just white or, you know, sludgy grey. Wait, what colour? <laughs> what? <laughs> or you kind of see, like, the snowflakes, maybe they just sort of like like weird sort of fluffy blobs. Mm -hmm. When I was in Poland, it started snowing while we were doing a walking tour of Krakow. Very interesting. And the snowflakes were like little tiny flowers. Like, I've never seen anything like it. They were landing on people's clothes, and it was, I guess, the exact right temperature that they would just sit there like beautiful little tiny sculptures it was unbelievable and basically what happened is like everybody stopped listening to the lady who was amazing Dominica who was our tour guide she probably doesn't and won't ever listen to this but she was fantastic um, everybody was like staring at their hands and arms at the tiny little snowflakes and they were just unbelievably beautiful and then I went on a big investigating learning about snowflakes bender online which I can highly recommend because they're very very interesting <laughs> um, but yeah so it was like a really fun reminder of how each little tiny snowflake is so beautiful and then snow is beautiful and it made uh, snow feel even more magical. So in <laughs> essence, number one is how magical snow is. 
the end. That was beautiful. <laughs> so, Sophie, what is your top three snow? I feel there's going to be a lot of crossover. That's okay. But um, uh, I think number three, I'm, I'm just going caught up in the snowstorm of your love for snow, <laughs> um, is, I mean, this is a luxury, mm. but I find often when it snows, there's this little bit of a thing when it, all, everything shuts down. Yeah that everyone's just like oh well yeah it's snowing so we can't we can't do that it's like, like playtime yeah yeah or like well you know it's, well, it's snowing let's just stay in I think there's a, a nice little like luxury of that being able to slow down a little bit and we're like yeah. oh let's just hunker down and eat cheese on toast and knit I mean that does sound pretty great yeah so I think there's that that uh, that yeah that, I keep saying a luxury but I feel it is if you're yeah. able to do that then I feel like sometimes when you get like a rainy day, you're like, mm, no, this is a bit grim, let's stay in. But like a snow, it's like, oh, this is now magical and cozy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me uh, whip up a hot chocolate, that kind of thing. So that's pretty good. Number two, uh, I was going to say the beauty of a tiny, mm. tiny snowflake. So magical. It is magical. And you, yeah, being able to, it's like hyper definition nature where you're just like, oh, wow. It is real. They are all different. Yeah. Well, that was what really struck me. Yeah. As I just, I didn't think that you'd ever be able to see it with the naked eye as yeah. well. The naked eye. Yeah. I remember <laughs> seeing, I think it was in Austria, and my dad was like, you've never seen it. I was like, no. And he was like, I think for him, he's, I don't know, he thought that was special. You know. Yeah. That's, that's quite beautiful. Yeah. And number one, I would say... <laughs> The light that snow makes. Ooh, because it bounces it everywhere. Yeah, the, the I love that magic of. I remember like being a child, and also when it just happened, like recently, of being in bed, and there's like that different sort of noise from the outside world, and it's that little thing where you're like, oh, I think it snowed, and then the light, sort of the way it comes out of the curtain, and just changes the whole room. And I think for me, snow is magical. So I do have that kind of like thrill about it. And last time when it did snow, I said, said to my other half, I was like, oh, is it snowed? And he did this whole like theatrical thing of opening the curtain and like doing a drum roll. And it was like, yeah, the snow. And it was just kind of that secret of the light that was peeping mm. out already. I thought like, I'm getting chills now. I'm like, oh, it makes me happy. It makes everything look kind of clean or just different. It makes yeah. you like look at, I remember, because I, um, when it was really snowy here, I was walking home quite late at night and it was dark and everything looked just mm. different yeah. and there were all these little piles of snow and I kept as I walking past just like putting a handprint <laughs> in them which was really fun. It is, I mean it's a real novelty for us who you know people who don't often get snow so. Yeah, yeah. so we're probably, I remember when I went to visit my friend who was living in Russia and it had snowed there and she had been living there not even that long, a few months maybe and she was already over snow, she was like oh god right. it snowed yeah. again. <laughs> so, you know, indulge our childlike wonder if it's something that's uh, uh, a norm for you. <laughs> yeah, you can just think, oh, British people, they don't <laughs> see snow. Um. And just to round this off, we had a little flurry of snow this morning in Edinburgh. So We did, and I said, snow! Which and then is you my quickly, snow call. Quickly check the trains. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh no, I don't want to get stuck here, but it seems that all is well. More on that in the next podcast. Yeah. Does Lydia get back to London? <laughs> Well, as uh, top three draws to a close, so does this podcast. As the snow melts. As the snow melts. Spring uh, awakens. Indeed, soon there will be spring. Are we in spring yet? A few days to go. A few days to go. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, so we hope that you enjoyed our uh, festival-related podcast. I was going to say, the one with all the festivals. Yeah. Uh, if we didn't see you at one recently, well, we hope that possibly, uh, I suppose, Yarndale in September is going to yeah, be the next yeah, little we'll be thing. Um, and we'll be at Rhinebeck, of course. Um, but, you know, you can keep up to date with all the different things we're doing via the social medias. We yep. are Pom Pom Mag on the Instagram. We always love to hear from you. We love to see what you're doing. You can always um, tag us. That's, mm. a, that's a thing I don't know if you've tried that <laughs> we'd love to see what pom pom projects you're doing things like that um, send us any ideas you have um, <laughs> podcast at pompommag.com if you have any top threes we oh, always yeah. welcome those suggestions and there's also the Ravelry group we oh, always yes. love to chat to people on there um, yeah that's about it that's so about it. Uh, oh, it's like oh, it's keep, keep going I know what else <laughs> we were a little tired from going to the Cayley but now I think we've woken up a little yeah so. yeah so yeah hope you uh, don't mind the kind of gentle background noise and our slightly more gentle tone from uh, all of our pom-pom related exertions um, <laughs> but yeah so we uh, we look forward to bringing you another podcast I think next month I think we'll probably be back yep, on track we'll now. back on track yeah, yeah, so, yeah so thank you for your patience with uh the many schedules that we have to work around to make sure that um, men as well as women get the, the maternity slash paternity leave. Um, yeah. There so, we go. Uh, yeah. Happy we spring. Go. Happy spring. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Pomcast is produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott with help from Eli Block who created the original music for the show. For more Eli-related music go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com Thanks as always to Megan Fernandez, co-creator and editor of Pom Pom Quarterly, and thanks also to the lovely Amy and Gail. Thanks to our interviewees, Hannah Maschieska and Zoe Fletcher, and to our sponsors, Woolen. Of course, a big thank you to all you Pom Pom buyers, subscribers, and listeners. You can buy your copy of the magazine and subscribe too at our online shop, pompommag.com forward slash shop. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and why not leave a review? Send any feedback or ideas to podcast at pompommag.com. And don't forget to keep in touch with us via the podcast group on the Pom Pom Ravelry Forum. <laughs>